Welcome to the Social Bee Podcast. I'm your host, Missy, and we are coming at you from the Hubbard Broadcasting Studios here in the Twin Cities. Thank you for listening. This week is episode 54. Our guest today is Eric Thurwanger. Hi, Missy. I'm glad to be here. <laughs> Eric is the founder and president of Think Great. It's a specialized consulting firm focused on accomplishing corporate goals through a combination of leadership, team building, and sales training. Um, Eric is one of the nation's leading thinkers on issues of personal growth, professional development, and organizational excellence. So I'm super excited. I have a ton of questions um, for you today. We also have with us Tori. Hello. Tori's been on a few podcasts. You're used to me now. <laughs> <laughs> um, she's one of our senior strategists here at Hubbard, and she actually works with Eric on his social media campaigns. That's right. And then, as always, our producer, Pat. Hello. <laughs> no mic stand for him today. I know. What happened to all of our mic stands? I've got to hold this thing again like a Like, like a, a barbarian. <laughs> <laughs> Today's episode is sponsored by Hey Orca. Hey Orca makes social media planning for agencies easy. Our team has used Hey Orca over the past year, and it has made our communication and content distribution process much more seamless as an agency. It's such an easy platform for us and our clients to use. The layout makes it a perfect tool for working both on a day-to-day and month-to-month basis. It allows you to lay out content in an easy-to-understand dashboard. Not only is that content calendar straightforward when plugged into Hey Orca, but when it's approved, that content is scheduled to automatically go out on all of your platforms. The approval process with clients is great because there's never a question about if the content is good to go. And it has not only sped up our communication time with clients, but it allows us to communicate with the clients directly in Hey Orca, allowing us to focus more on client communication in the tool versus tons more emails going back and forth. It's a tool we use daily, and we, as well as our clients, can't imagine going back to spreadsheets. See how you can seamlessly plan for multiple clients and get content approvals in the ultimate sandbox for marketing at heyorca.com. So let's get into this week's episode number 54, Becoming a Leader in Your Industry. So thank you, Eric, for being on the show today. Um, I've had the privilege of seeing Eric speak about five times now, actually, yeah. um, since I've since I've been introduced to you, and I just graduated from um, his year long leadership training program. That's right, which was two weeks ago. So that's right. Congratulations, yes, by the way. Thank you, thank you. I was super excited about that. Um, I feel like a total fangirl. I feel like we need to have like t-shirts made, <laughs> mm-hmm. like think great t-shirts or something. I like where you're going with that. <laughs> So one of the first things I want to talk about for people who um, maybe aren't familiar with you yet is how did you get started with Thinkrate and what is Thinkrate all about? Well, sure. I actually uh, derive a lot of the concepts from Thinkrate from my background in the Marine Corps. And so I served in the Marines from 87, 1987 to 1991. And in the Marine Corps, I was an air traffic controller. And, and after the first Gulf War, I, I left the Marine Corps, went to film school. So I worked in the film industry for a long time. And I have been my wife's caregiver through multiple battles of uh, cancer, and she also survived cardiac arrest. So we have a lot of unique life experiences. In 2008, I was the vice president of a media company in Southern California, where we had had a lot of growth, and we developed leaders at all levels, and uh, built a sales team, and did a strategic plan. And it was at that point I realized I need to do something with my personal story, uh, share my marine background, share my experiences as my wife's caregiver, and teach people how to think differently during tough times. So it was over a long coffee um, 
morning that I wrote two words on a napkin, and those words were think great. And I decided to teach people to think great. And uh, from that from that coffee session, um, it's transformed into multiple books and training series and workshops and the leadership development program that you just graduated from. I love it. Um, so what type of businesses really utilize your services the most? So the great thing about Think Great, I feel that it's um, applicable to anyone in any industry. But we've worked, obviously, with broadcast companies. We've worked with banks. Uh, retail stores, restaurants, hospitals, uh, universities. It's really limitless on the impact that we can have uh, from a leadership perspective when you realize that regardless of what industry you work in, as leaders, you're in the people business. Yeah, and I'll definitely say um, I love that you focus on such a wide range because we have a lot of different people listening from all sorts of companies. Um, And so one of the things I really want to hone in on this podcast today is how can they become better leaders in their business and their Mm -hmm. industry? Um, So what are some of your thoughts on leadership and what's some advice that you'd give to the people listening that want to be more leaders? Yeah, absolutely. I I think that people are searching more and more for techniques on becoming greater leaders. In fact, when I wrote my book, The Leadership Connection, I actually looked leadership up on Google and there were 409 million results that came back. Uh, That's a lot to sift through. I looked it up the other day and there were 2.4 billion so two billion wow. more results just in the last four years. So that that's a big sign that people are searching for ways to be greater leaders. And one of my, you know, one of my dominating thoughts on leadership is that everyone is a leader, even if no one's following you. Um, you can still sound like a leader. You can perform like a leader. You can behave like a leader. And I think that can make a significant impact in any organization. And so I, I really pull that from my first days in the Marine Corps, which was in boot camp, and through all the chaos and the yelling and the screaming and everything you're imagining happened in boot camp, something else happened, and they developed us as leaders. They started to plant leadership seeds on traits and principles and how we conduct ourselves ethically and and, and the way we can represent our, our organization. And so even through all of the chaotic training, we were simultaneously developed. And I think that's where most organizations are missing the boat. They are training their people to do a better job, but they're not often developing them to grow as people, grow as leaders. There was one session um, that I had in in the year leadership class I took with you that just completely like changed up my way of thinking. Um, and it was the definitions of training someone in and developing someone and that I and it it seems so simple but I'm like I just it always seemed as the same thing to me and so that whole session just blew my mind so you want to touch on that a little bit that's when the light bulb goes off yes exactly I just went through that session I think last week I know it's like it's really game changing it is all of a sudden I think people equate them as one and the same, and they're definitely not. So different. Yeah. In in the civilian business sector, which I've been a member of for 27 years, um, they use the terms interchangeably. Training, development, it's it's kind of one and the same. In in the military, it's different. And there's training sessions you go through, and then there's development sessions. And so we might be trained on our weapons. We might be trained on a gas mask or trained to swim or trained to run or whatever we're being trained on. Uh, I was an air traffic controller, so I was trained as an air traffic controller. But the Marine Corps also developed me to think like a leader, act like a leader, and perform like a leader. So they they separate the development side. And, and, and in the sessions that both of you went through, um, I like to say that that's cultivation. And that's really what it is. Almost like we're farmers as leaders. We're growing people. And so I like to think that um, training allows you to help your people to know more. But development allows you to get your people to grow more. And, and that's really the big difference. I, I think that 
most people, when given the opportunity uh, to attend training, they'll attend it. But when they're given the opportunity to be developed, um, they jump on it. And I think that's where the true buy-in is. I think people are, when it comes to training, they feel entitled to training. Like they should be trained. And so I think a, a great differentiating factor for businesses, at least in retention for team members, is that when they develop them, that's the unexpected. And so once you learn the difference between training and development, uh, it makes worlds of difference in how you how you develop your people, how you raise them, cultivate them. Why aren't more businesses and companies developing people? I think, and that's a great question. I think that they have never been, at least the leaders have never been developed themselves. So they don't know what they don't know. Um, so when you start in the military and you're trained here and you're developed here, you understand the distinction. Um, most companies fall into what I call the training trap. And so they train you and train you and train you. And then they wonder why engagement is so low or why they don't, um, you know, excel at what they've been trained at. And some will, but not always does training lead to great results. And so I think that um, once they're exposed to it, both like Tori and Tori and Missy, um, then they see that there's a distinct difference between the two. But most of them don't know. Mm-hmm. Now they'll know because of your podcast. Yeah. They're going to say, hey, wait a minute, I need to look into this development thing more. <laughs> yep. Yeah, absolutely. What would you say is an example of development for our listeners? So training is maybe getting sent to a conference or taking a class. Um, maybe for us, that would be creative copywriting. Mm-hmm. Um, how would that skill be developed? Oh, another great question. You guys are chock full of great questions. <laughs> so I would look at training if you were to, if you kind of give the, the 30,000 view. We train on the topics to help us to do our jobs better. And so, yes, a conference could um, be comprised of a lot of training, maybe product training, service training, or even workflow training. Here's how we do it. But I think that development, when you look at it, is really the people side, how we handle the variables that come up that the training doesn't necessarily cover. In other words, uh, most of us are going to interact with people all day, but we're taught more about products than people. The development side allows us to understand our coworkers. It allows us to understand our vendors. It allows us to understand our clients or customers or patients. It gives us the people understanding and really puts, I feel, the people side back into the business, which is what leadership is. We are, we are leaders of people, not process. We can manage process, but we need to lead people. And so I think that when you look at it, you can develop in a, in a, in a team setting, much like both of you uh, were taken out of your environment at work and put it with your peers from different industries. And so all we did is talk as leaders with other leaders. Um, You can also get off site with people and get to know them better. And once you understand your people better, that's part of the development process. I want to dig a little deeper because I have a note on here to talk about offsite because that's something that's brought up every (laughs) single time I um, meet with Eric or hear him speak. Um, Do you want to talk a little bit about the importance of getting offsite and what that looks like? Yeah, I think that, you know, we're, we're leading people and, uh, and we have a lot to know about each other or get to know about each other. And I think that when we're at work, we're in the confines of our office, it's a different environment and it could be a great environment, but I think it shows that we care a lot as leaders. If we take the time to say, hey, Tori, would you like to grab a cup of coffee with me? And I take her off site just to get to know her better, just to understand what makes you tick. Maybe, maybe learn about some of your professional or personal goals. Um, I actually learned this, no surprise, in the Marine Corps, because sometimes you would get off base with your leader. And I remember getting out to breakfast with a staff sergeant one time, and, and I was a Lance Corporal. I said, look, I wanna, let's grab some breakfast. I want to talk. 
And I was like, uh, okay, I'll meet you at the chow hall. He said, no, we're going to meet over here at Coco's, <laughs> wherever it was, right? And I thought, wow, um, that, I, mu I must be pretty important for him to take some time to meet off base because mm -hmm. he could have easily met at the chow hall. But then that's, that's that culture. And what he did is really let me know that I was important to him. And, and it's memorable to this day, you know, almost, hate to say it, but almost 30 years later. Um, but that was the impact it had. But then again, as leaders, we're here to make an impact, not just a profit. So the other thing, too, is you talk a lot about leaders versus managers. Yes. Um, so do you want to talk a little bit more about the difference between those? Because that's one thing at Hubbard that we, um, and I'm trying to learn to say that, like, I don't manage people, I lead people. That's right. So if you want to talk about that. Yeah. So there were no management courses in the Marine Corps. Um, and I'm assuming that there's none in the Army, Navy, and Air Force either. It's, it's all leadership development. Um, leadership is the higher law. It's not that things can't be managed. But I think, um, to Tori's point earlier, some, some words are used interchangeably, like training and development, mm -hmm. and so is leadership and management. They just toss them around like, yes, I lead, I lead uh, this and I manage my people. And I like to sum it up with this because that's a popular question. What is the difference? And I like to think of it as we manage the work and we lead the people. So we can manage shifts or we can manage budgets or we can manage projects. But we're here to lead people, um, inspire them, motivate them, get them engaged, um, get their buy-in increase, support them. And if we're not developing people to be leaders like that, then they revert back to managing people. And what I've found is that most people don't want to be managed, not micromanaged, macromanaged, or even properly managed when strong leadership's available. And so leadership needs to become, in my opinion, that foundation of a business or an organization that you could build anything on. So out of all the businesses that you've been coaching since you started Think Great, is there any kind of um, common thread or words of advice you would give people listening to, you know, here's some a few things that I've kind of noticed that yeah. I definitely think businesses should take more um, accountability for? Yeah. So to be a leader in your industry, you have to realize that there's some commonalities between businesses, regardless of what industry they're in. And, and the number one is that you're a people business. You should be a people business, right? And I think most people would agree, yes, we are a people business. Um, when I ask if they're developing their people, they usually say no, but they're a people business. I think the biggest thing that we can do as leaders is develop and plant leadership seeds at all levels. And just because somebody's new to the company, just because somebody's your driver, just because somebody, if you're in a restaurant, is in the back of house or whatever that um, maybe entry level position is, that's where you start with leadership. Um, I was not even a Marine yet. I hadn't passed the onboarding program boot camp. I hadn't earned the title yet. I was considered a recruit and other names that I can't use on your podcast, but I wasn't <laughs> a Marine yet. And ironically, while all hell is breaking loose in boot camp, they're pulling us aside and developing us as leaders. They're planting seeds of leadership traits and principles. So if that organization, and, and you combine all the military organizations, they have about 2 million people in their ranks, and they're all starting out with leadership with the newest people, and that's what your tax dollars pay for. So understand that if you're listening to this podcast right now and you pay your taxes, which you should be because that's legal, <laughs> you should pay your taxes. The military is using your tax dollars to develop their people as leaders. What if you used your own money to develop yourself as a leader or develop your teams as leaders? You may experience the highest levels of engagement, just like the Army, Navy and Air Force and Marine Corps does. And you talked about some crazy stats um, in your leadership classes as well um, about the percent of people who are 
not engaged yeah. when they come into the workplace. So do you want to talk a little bit more about that? Because <laughs> yeah. this was kind of like it's a shocking. little alarming. Yes. <laughs> yeah. If you're listening shocking. to this podcast and you're a leader, you may want to sit down right now. <laughs> um, the stats are actually pretty staggering. There's a variety of different organizations, including Gallup, that have done stats on engagement, disengagement, uh, productivity in the workplace. And overall, what we're finding is engagement, the actual um, act of people coming and engage where it's not just a job, it's a career where they want to show up and make a positive impact every day, not sleepwalk through work and not just punch a, a clock. Some studies are showing that number is around 13% engagement. And you're looking at 87% of the workforce either actively disengaged or not engaged at all. And in fact, I think Gallup's poll coined the phrase that most of them, about 72% of workers are sleepwalking through work. That's what they said. That was the official diagnosis. So some of you who are listening to this may be infiltrated by sleepwalkers. And you cannot manage or train your way out of that. You've got to lead and develop your way out of that. Um, the military, if, if, I, if I were to say to you or ask you, um, how would you feel knowing the military? Your military had only 13% engagement. How would you feel? Um, concerned. Scared. <laughs> concerned, scared. Yeah. yeah. Um, but it, it, so the military has some of the highest engagement levels in of any organization. And the common denominator between all the branches, even though we all do different things, is that they develop every single person to think like a leader, act like a leader, perform like a leader. And here's the interesting part. It doesn't matter what generation you're in because 75% of the military right now is considered to be the millennial generation. And they're only handling this little thing called national security. (laughs) But the thing that unites us all is we've been developed as leaders. We get it. In fact, I just did a, a, a... I was at a university yesterday and did a presentation on leadership. And two of the people in the audience were veterans, one Army and uh, one Navy. And as I'm talking about leadership, I could see their heads nodding. They were excited. On the break, they actually said, I I miss talking about leadership. So that really let me know that you're just you're you're we're not talking about it enough. We we acknowledge that the word is important. The concept is important. Mm but we can't define it and we don't even talk about it enough. We don't use that word enough in, in with our team members. Is it kind of a vague concept? Like, is it just something that people don't know about? Cause we love great leaders, Yeah. like a, a great CEO, a great leader, you know, a high profile one, people gravitate towards them sure. or towards their company. So we know what it is when it's- When you feel it. When you feel sure. it, but what, why, why do we stumble so much getting there? Yeah, I, and that another great question. Um, I think that a lot of people think leadership is for someone else. And so maybe we're looking at the Gandhis, the Martin Luther Kings, the Mother Teresas, the Margaret Thatchers, the Nelson Mandela's, you know, any president you want to mention. I think that we go, oh, okay, well, those are great leaders because they're making an impact in the world or their nation. Maybe that's not me. And then I disagree with that. I think that we can all be great leaders because we can make an impact at home in our communities, we can make an impact in the workplace, in our department. Even if no one's following us, you can make an impact. You can let people know how much you appreciate them. You can praise them. You can plant leadership seeds. You can talk about tact and justice and judgment and integrity. Um, There's things that we can do as leaders. I think that we steer away from it because there's typically not a handbook on leadership. Yet we'll have a handbook on when you are going to be late, you need to call in and do this which is important, but it's not the priority. The priority is, what if there was a handbook on leadership, a step-by-step program on how to become a greater leader? And that's why I think people avoid it because they, they, don't, they don't always know exactly what resource to choose from. 
And so we'll take avoidance over, I don't want people to see that I don't know what I'm doing. You touched on this a little bit, um, and so I want to bring this up again. Tori knows where I'm going. Since you're sitting in a room full of millennials right now, you had a great, <laughs> you did a great TED Talk mm-hmm. um, a while ago called Millennials Are Not Your Leadership Challenge. Yes, and I still stand behind that statement. Um, Thank you. Because this is something that I run into a lot personally, meeting with business owners who are not millennials, but are tell- having a millennial like myself, sure. telling them what to do. Yep. Um, what are your thoughts on that? <laughs> Well, you know, as I as I as I stated in the TED talk, I I feel that the millennial generation is the first generation that has actually been referred to by the name of their generation in a derogatory fashion. When I was growing up, nobody said, "Oh, those darn Gen Xers," and they still don't say it now. And we're far from perfect; <laughs> we've got a lot of flaws. Um, and so, what I find is that leaders project their own lack of leadership skills onto that next generation right now. And it's become too easy to do. In fact, when I talk to leaders about their challenges, they'll say things like communication is a challenge, team morale is a challenge, millennials are a challenge. I'll say, wait a minute, run that one by me again? An entire generation is a challenge. Um, We're tricky. Yeah. Um, And listen, like any generation, you, you have your members that you know, qualified just yep, like we do. Absolutely. Um, but here's here's what I think that we're seeing is that many many generations before yours would stay in a job that was unsatisfying. They would stay in a job that had no opportunity. They would stay in a job where there was poor management. What I found is that the generation now known as millennials that I refer to as people will actually go to a different job searching for something greater, which I applaud. And then they get the nickname of job hoppers. So, so there's a lot of um, misconceptions about this generation. The reason that I feel so strongly about this generation is when I train military commands, I'm surrounded by people in the millennial generation who have the highest levels of integrity, the highest levels of dedication, and would take a bullet for you. And so I disagree with the fact that the millennials are a leadership challenge. I think that your leadership skills are your leadership challenges, but not a, not a generation. So. Say it louder. Yeah. <laughs> Say it louder. So then how do you bridge the gap between millennials and then people who are older, maybe a little bit closer to retirement, and make a seamless yeah. day-to-day life? Almost? Well, I think one of the first things is I use the story of the military to understand that our nation's security rests on millennials right now. If they can handle that, maybe they can handle more in your organization. But then again, in the military... The older generations have been developed for 20 and 30 years as leaders. They know how to lead the millennial generation, but they've also developed them as leaders too. So you're not necessarily having to lead them as much as they're taking initiative. And that's where the biggest gap is in the civilian workplace. We're not developing ourselves as leaders. We're not investing. In fact, we're not investing in leadership development. We're investing to fix the problems that a lack of leadership development causes. So if we were to take the same time, the same money, the same resources, and reallocate it proactively into developing our people, we have less mistakes that we have to spend money to fix. And we'd lose less people. So, yeah. So... I do believe that whatever the challenge is, leadership is the solution. <laughs> Joe, he, he was getting pumped about that one. He's going at it. I worked up a sweat. <laughs> but you know, I've seen both sides of the, the fence, if you will. I see the military because I do training for them still to this day. I see it and I say, look at these people and what they can accomplish. And then I go into the civilian sector. And in many cases, it's two different worlds, two different belief levels, two different levels of caring for your people. 
And I'm not saying that business leaders on the civilian side don't care, but sometimes they don't know how to show it. And so they have great intentions, but they don't have the follow through and they don't know how to develop. And that's where, quite honestly, Think Great's leadership program came into play is here's how you can do it. And so, I, Missy, you haven't served. Tori, you haven't served in the military. Mm-hmm. You kind of feel like you have after that program, though. I bet. Yeah, um, no but more. you got an insight <laughs> to it. Yeah, you get an insight. Um, so you don't have to serve in the military to be developed as a leader. That's the best part. With with what you do here at Hubbard, you've been developed to think like leaders, act like leaders, perform like leaders, and, and the results follow. Yeah, yeah I do. I, I did get pretty pumped up. <laughs> I actually worked up a sweat, I think. Yeah. <laughs> well, I feel it. I can feel yeah. it. <laughs> and so another thing that you've been doing, and you're on your seventh book now? Seventh, and I... I have to admit, I have the idea for a few more. I'm actually, <laughs> I do. I think I have three or four oh more my under my belt right now. But I get inspired. I'm like, we need a book about that because mm. I want to give a resource that people can follow. But yes. So this is definitely something that I love. I've read two of the books so far, The Leadership Connection and Elevate. Yes. And if you go to thinkgreat90.com slash book library, you can see all of the books. Um, but I want to talk about your newest book that you've yes. written called A Dynamic Sales Combustion. Yes. Can you give us a little teaser on that? Yes. If you read the title just now if you listen to the title you're probably going to imagine it's a sales book and it is so <laughs> dynamic sales combustion um, in addition to leadership development i work with a lot of organizations and it inevitably leads to discussing how they're performing in sales and so when i was gina's caregiver the very first time i left the film industry and i started my career in sales <laughs> it was financial services sales i knew nothing about sales and nothing about financial services and i was commission only so if i didn't sell we didn't eat So I learned sales quickly. And what I found is there was a lot of techniques and strategies that just didn't jive with me. It was kind of the the ABC, always be closing, sell anybody with a pulse, Um, you know, fake it till you make it. I'm like, who wrote this stuff? (laughs) Like, this is not me. I... I can't go up to my mom and sell her something and fake it till I make it. It's my mom. If I'm not going to do it to her, why would I do it to somebody else? And so I found there was a lot of antiquated sales trainings out there. And I had to find a way that was genuine to me. And so I started to develop my own style of selling that resonated with a lot of people. And I actually became a top producer and started my own general agency. And then and then about four years in, I left that, uh, that field and I went back into the film industry and became the vice president of a media company in Southern California. And our sales grew over 300% because we had taken the same concepts and I planted them in there in sales. And essentially, we'll leave your listeners with a gold nugget today, a little, uh, little sales <laughs> seed. Um, it is against company policy at Think Great for you to sell. I don't want you to sell anybody and I don't want you to close. You are authorized to share what we do and open new opportunities. And so we took that one mindset um, and that's why our team is so dynamic and we have sales combustion because you can't stop somebody from sharing if they're passionate. And that will lead to the buying opportunity. So the book is really a culmination of strategies and techniques to bring sales back to what it should be, which is serving people. Love it. <laughs> and then another part too, um, and I don't know how you do all of this, but have your have the business, do all these speaking sessions, but you also started a nonprofit. We did start a nonprofit. Well. Yeah. So do you want to talk a little bit about that sure. and how that came about? Yeah. Well, we have uh, I've been involved obviously in the military community since 1987 and done things to support our veterans and their families ever since, whether it's be on the yellow ribbon or work with the Marine Corps League or do events for Blue Star Moms, things like that. Um in the back of my mind, I always wanted to do my own foundation. So I kind of started with this big picture of I would like a foundation. 
And then I had to figure out what I wanted to do. So I said, well, I want a foundation that helps out military families. And that was where I started. And as I started to develop it more, I realized there was one part of the military family that is virtually unheard and unseen too, and that's the military spouse. And because I go around the country and I do training at different commands, I actually am able to do goal setting training and other trainings for family readiness programs. And I get to meet a lot of spouses. And while the spouse doesn't take an oath, they make a significant commitment and more sacrifices than most people realize. Um, that spouse may be moving with the service member every three years or more. So they may spend 15 years in five or six different places. They give up family, they give up their careers, many give up their education, in addition to all the other challenges of military life. And so when I started to narrow it down and say, I would like to help out these spouses, then I spoke to some military commanders saying, okay, I know what I want to do and who I want to do it for, the spouses. And it was pretty unanimous. Um, in fact, one of the uh, commanders for the 9th Marine Corps District said, I know exactly where you need to focus it, and it's spouses, of uh, uh, the education. Get them, get them scholarships. Get them the ability to go back to school. And I said, that's it right there. And so we started to tell some of our clients, and the – the consensus was unanimous. I'm in, I'm in, I'm in. And so we've already started to raise funds. And this year we're going to award some scholarships for the first time. So we're really super excited. And thanks for asking about that. Yeah, I love, I just, I hear you talk about that, our leadership link yeah. programs. And you're like, you were so excited about it. You're like, I'm going to get this started. And then mm -hmm. now it's happening. And I'm like, we got to talk about this. It's just yeah, in fact, I had a cool breakfast concept. meeting today with one of your colleagues and he brought a couple clients and we talked about the foundation yeah. and how we can impact um, what's called the mill spouse community, the military spouse community, because they're out there. There's, there's hundreds of thousands of them out there sacrificing right now, but we don't think about them all day. Mm -hmm. and, and, I, and in addition to getting their scholarships um, issued to them, I actually want to um, bring awareness to their cause because you never hear anything from them. There's very little on the news about them. They don't complain. They, 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 they just take it in stride. They pull themselves up by their bootstraps and they keep supporting that family. And so for that, I want to be a champion for them. Love it. Yeah. Um, so as far as like I just personally and this I'm so excited you're on the podcast because I've just gotten so much personal growth from your sessions Thank and you. reading your books. And I know the rest of the team who's seen you speak has as well. So if someone listening wants to learn more about what you do or attend a session, what's the best place for to reach out sure. to you? Well, they can actually go to uh, thinkgreat90.com. And there's some parts on the, the website. There's some sections on the website. They can reach out for more information. Uh, we also have an info line, info at thinkgreat90.com. They can email us there. And uh, one of our team members will get back to them and uh, fill them in on everything that we do and how we can come out and, uh, and help support their goals and their team members. Perfect. Um, and we'll put links to all of this in the show notes today. So if anyone listening can go to socialfeedpodcast.com and see links for everything we talked about today. Thank you so much for being on the show. This Thanks was for great. having me here. Thanks this was awesome. Doing. So much energy yeah. for, for a morning show talking about leadership. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. We, try. we will see you guys all next week. The Social Feed is a production of Hubbard Interactive with music provided by Minneapolis-based artist John Atwell. Today's episode is sponsored by Hey Orca. Hey everyone, my name is Joe. I'm the CEO and co-founder of Hey Orca. Uh, we built Hey Orca as a social media calendar for agencies to manage your content and client approvals all from one place. With Hey Orca, agencies are able to visualize exactly what content is going to look like. Clients can then approve and collaborate in real time. And then your content will go live on the selected social media networks at the respective time. 
there's a lot of other competing tools out there. So how do you differentiate yourself? We started Hey Orca because we, we saw that the tools out there in the marketplace weren't serving uh, the agency's needs. And we wanted to solve a content marketing problem, a social media problem, but from the angle of how do we allow clients to collaborate with the agency in the most simple manner. And so that's why the shareable link and the visualization is a big part of our feature set. Shareable link allows the clients to come in without needing to log in. And then the visualization of the content allows clients to see things within context, know exactly how the content is going to look before it goes live on Facebook, Instagram, and so forth. See how you can seamlessly plan for multiple clients and get content approvals in the ultimate sandbox for marketing at heyorca.com.